Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Trey. This is the Pop Fizz Click Podcast. I'm joined today with Matt. Whoa, whoa wait. Uh, that's right. Matt's not here. Um, he uh, He's on, uh, what was that? Special assignments. He's on special assignment. Uh, he's, uh, you know, that still workers union thing. They still haven't worked it out yet. It's it, it's insane. So today, playing the role of Matt, I have Stephen Von Grimm. Yay! A beginning is the time for taking the most delicate care that the balances are correct. This, every sister the, of the Bene Gesserit knows. To begin your study of the life of Muad'Dib, then, take care that you first place him in his time, born in the 57th year of the Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV, and take the most special care that you locate Muad'Dib in his place, the planet Arrakis. Do not be deceived by the fact that he was born on Caladan and lived his first 15 years there. Arrakis, the planet known as Dune, is forever his place. From the Manual of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Steve Von Grimm. I work for the Still Brewery. I'm a goddamn delight. And I'm back, baby! <laughs> Yo, I love it. I love the beginning of that. It's so great. I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in this right now. That, yeah, that's... Uh. And for those who don't know and, don't, and, and you know, who aren't true fans, I guess, um, remember, uh, yeah, Von Grimm did the, our D&D session. He was our DM and uh, back to have him again for a delight. Amen. How you been up to, guy? I'm glad we have you back. Oh, I've been... I can't complain, man. Am I... How many repeat guests have you have since then? Um, ooh, I want to say one, maybe. I want to say one, but uh, so this is episode two of Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's the sequel. It's Von Grimm, Back of a Vengeance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly how it is, man. Um, man, I, I really appreciate you. Like I said, coming back. What's really cool is this. Um, till to this day, like I, I have people who. Last well, last episode we had the podcast uh, event at uh, Big Al. Shout out Big Al, and uh, I met some people there that I've only known through socials or like you know just haven't met in person. And yeah, I had people come up to me like, "Oh yeah, that's that one episode where y'all played Dungeons and Dragons." Oh yeah, blah blah blah, and like that was last year. So like for people to still remember it, it's cool. And and not only that, but like uh, I've had other people too, which made me happy was about oh like. Oh, yeah, I never thought about that, Trey. And then I heard y'all talk about it, and it sounded tight. And I was like, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's still in the zeitgeist of people's minds, yeah, I don't care. Sure. <laughs> and, like, yeah, I, I was like, man, that that's, that's super awesome. Um, So, like, uh, what I liked is how you started this, because we really want to talk about Dune. And we are going to talk about Dune because, man, it's to me, it's still so much in the conversation. And it's the lore. Oh my god, I'm a sucker for lore. Like anything that has like way too much lore and especially stuff into it, I'm in the weeds. Like, give it to me. <laughs> like, just tell me about it. You know I, mean, I mean, I to, okay. So to start, uh, this series of books, uh, this world was created by Frank Herbert. Um, he published Dune, the Dune, first Dune in 1965. Um, he went on to write six books out of, I think there's 24 now, six books out of that series, arguably the best of that, before he ended up passing, 
uh, from cancer. I think he was 65 when he did. And then his son, Brian, um, took whatever notes that Frank had and um, his writing partner, uh, Kevin J. Anderson, yeah, yeah, finished out that initial series, wrote the two more books, um, seven and eight, and then just kept on writing. Here's the thing. If you are... 24 books in a series is a massive canon uh, to, to, to try and yeah, wrap that, your that, brain around. It's so much more than, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings? Like, yeah. Way more than Lord of the Rings. So, um, J.R.R. Tolkien was passed a copy, two copies at some point, of Dune. And Tolkien uh, wrote back, he did not like it whatsoever. Um, which is... Okay, that's you get. I mean, you don't have to. I'm interested of contemporaries during that time, and if Frank Herbert exchanged letters with Asimov, um, if he ever had a conversation with um, um, Philip K. Dick or or J. Yeah, R. those Tolkien. were like the dudes of the of that era. You know what I mean, so like, it's so interesting to me if maybe they like kept notes they're like secretly judging each other's work you know stuff like that and um herbert wrote books before dune he was really into submarines um he built his own submarine at one point but then it crashed it and had to get the help from coast guard uh to to <laughs> he uh, um i think it was puget sound because uh herbert uh lived was well, he was at least he he, he was born in tacoma washington um, he had two sons, uh, Bruce and Brian, and then uh, Beverly was his wife. Loved his wife. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and Beverly was the um, the inspiration for one of the characters in Dune, Jessica of the the Benny Jesuit. So, where do we begin? Yeah. There, there's so much there and so much onto it. Yeah, there's a lot I wanna, of it. I want to lead up to it, though, because Herbert wrote Dune to, he thought it was going to fix governments. He disliked technology. He had a <laughs> distrust of the government. He, <laughs> he had like this Walt Disney thing going on. And what I mean by that is like, Disney did not create Epcot Center to be an attraction. He literally thought it was going to be a way of life. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like uh, some things about Herbert were kind of similar in a weird way. Like This idea like, of... Yeah, he was trying to change things, yeah. And Dune is a very human-based sci-fi series. He only mentions it once, maybe twice, in the first book about some machine war that happened way back in human history. Because Dune starts in the year 10,191 and then spans thousands of years within that first, uh, those first six books. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was, he hints at humans being ruled by machines, thinking machines. We overcame that. It was called the Butlerian Jihad. This is later, like, um, his son writes books about this very topic. But then um, there's a, an overarching rule that thou shall not make a machine in the likeness of a human mind. So 
there's human computers called Mentats. Yeah, yeah. There's the Bene Gesserit, which is a sisterhood of ninja monks, assassins, courtesans, politicians. They have their hands in everything in this world. They're the people, this group of women, that pull the strings. Um, and after this machine war, humanity went back to a feudal system where there is one emperor, and this is what Dune opens up on, is that the House Carino, the Carino family, um, rule humanity from yeah. their, uh, their planet. And their influence expands outward to all of the universe. There is a substance that is the most valuable thing in the universe, and it's the spice melange. And there's only one location in all of the universe where it's located, and that is Arrakis, also called Dune. And this substance is a mind-expanding drug. It triples the lifespan of somebody. In <laughs> it's like going on an ayahuasca times five. Oh, holy <laughs> shit, yes. So in, in huge concentrations, it can um, give someone prescience. Uh, it allows for interspace travel. It's the, with, without spice, the whole universe collapses. You've got no trade, you've got no interstellar travel. And also, once you get hooked on it, though, you can't live without it. Um, there's a political coup. See, see, this is what I like so much about it. It's like, okay, so if you guys didn't notice when we jumped into the episode. I'm really trying so hard not to <laughs> tell everything. Dune is so multi-layered. It's so vast. And, and that, that's why I think it's so cool about it. It's just that there's so much to it. I'm only 10 books in. See, it's... <laughs> Like I said, only did. Um, that, that's what I think is so great is just that because uh, there's just something else I want to talk about too of how like they told how Star Wars totally jacked it anyway. But we'll oh, talk fuck about Lucas. <laughs> Lucas ripped off so much. One, it's not. It's bad enough that Lucas took all of the. Um, uh, you're you're aware of Joseph Campbell? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And the myth of the hero, the the um, the hero from Mysterious Birth. And the, the the reluctant hero and all yeah, of that. Yeah, it's like it's so much of a it's so much of a fucking trope at this point. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For everybody that went to the theaters thinking that Dune was this new movie, and thought that maybe Dune ripped off Star Wars, Star Trek. Oh no, 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 no! It's the other no, way around. Everything, everyone else took from Dune. No, no, like, the, the, and this is me. Everybody knows that Trey's a big Star Wars fan. But, no, Star Wars is pretty much, you know, slackered and, like, pasted together from greatest hits of all kinds of shit. You know, which is, like, stuff that <laughs> Lucas saw. was like, hey, let's put that. You know what I mean? Um, I want to get into that in a sec. Because, like, I feel like, yeah, Lucas totally just, he bashed things together until he, he made Star Wars. And suddenly it just, you know, billion dollar industry um what what i really like about what you're really getting into was like there's so much real life stuff about frank herbert and dune 
about po- political things like that. Like th- there was a meme I posted about like uh, Star Wars doing that, but like, yo, th- th- honestly, that's the basis of what uh, Herbert did, and to me that that that's so vastly interesting. That that's why it always kind of uh, disappoints me when people are like, "Oh my God, Trey, you're talking about history. Talk about like, shut up. <laughs> you're living in a you're living in a crazy time now." You we'll know? get to the crazy time. <laughs> Herbert was actually very big into ecology, and there's a character in Dune that uh, Lee Keynes, uh, who is the planetologist, and from Leet's eyes and his interactions with the Fremen, which is the in- indigenous peoples of Dune, we get literally this world he builds the world we find out about all about dune and the ecology and the economy and the flora and the fauna how dune got to be how it is now where there was hints that it wasn't always a desert planet at one point it was lush there was water there was plants um this is just hinted at we're thrown in. You pick up the first hundred pages, and it's action-packed, man. You're thrown in to this raw deal that Duke Leto Atreides has gotten. <laughs> it's so it's so funny to me because, like, okay, if you're super Star Wars nerd, nerd, excuse me, <laughs> Lucas straight up jacked everything the history of that, and it's just Tatooine. That's all it it's is. Freaking like, Tatooine, it's, right? it's so stupid. Like, even what you're talking about, like. Uh, it's one of those things they don't talk about on Tatooine, but like it's one of those. Uh, it hasn't always been a desert, you know. They bring it back here and there, and then like there's all this hidden story about it, and it's like, dude, you literally just—it's literally Dune. It's like, it's everything yeah. but the name. voice, the powers <laughs> that the Benny Gesserit show and use to subtly influence those around them. Jedi mind tricks. The yeah, the indigenous peoples there. Pretty much the Sand People, the Tusken Raiders, you know, it's just <laughs> that it just takes everything and just changes. And like, I, I'm I'm supposing that's why, like, you know, Empire. They're like, oh man, I gotta do different stuff. <laughs> you you watch the movie? You watch the new the, the, the oh yeah yeah yeah. Dudes? Okay, I thought that Oscar Isaac did a fantastic job at really emoting how fucked Duke Leto realized he was. As soon as he landed on Arrakis, the, it was it was all set up. By the way, if you don't know the story by now, if you haven't seen the movie, we're probably going to talk about it. Oh yeah, total. I'm totally spoiling that movie. You guys should have seen this. It, what we were talking about, it got nominated for how many Academy Awards? Six. Six. Yeah. And Hans Zimmer soundtrack. The um, the photography. I thought that the. A lot of the ships, a lot of the shots, the the background sort of paid homage to the images that Jodorowsky did with Mobius during Jodorowsky's day. If you mm-hmm. ever saw the 2013 documentary, yeah, yeah. Uh, David Lynch saw Denis Villeneuve's Dune and immediately cast shade because he's like, oh, I don't, see, I don't see the big deal. I love my David Lynch impression. <laughs> By the way, if you're not aware, uh, on YouTube, David Lynch. Uh, every day uh, does a weather report of where he is and picks a number. The number is inconsequential, but he just says, today's number is 36. 
<laughs> David Lynch is so. Um, David Lynch. There's really no. <laughs> there's, he, there's no he other does, one for Does whatever him. he wants. <laughs> yeah, there's really no. Sure. But like, uh, as far as like cinema and cinema files, like Jodorowsky and David Lynch are so. They have a very distinct style. Um, if you, especially if you've seen some of their other movies, like uh, even on there, I mean, th- these are the type of movies that you don't hear a lot about, but like film nerds do, and like they each did a, like a version of Dune into it, so it's really cool onto it. And I'm gonna tell you right now, if guys like that are really into it, trust me, you should go check it out. I really enjoyed the movie. I've stayed away from Dune. I don't know why, but after I saw the movie, like, uh, and I guess this is a glowing review because I know Matt liked it too. Afterwards, I was like, that's it? And, like, the movie was, what, how long was it? It was, like, almost three hours or something like that? Something like that. And, there's I, something, and I was like, I want more. <laughs> and there, there's something, I don't know if, if I didn't I didn't see any press leading up to the release of the movie that I didn't told people that it was only part one. You oh, went no, into no, the theater, no, and, yeah. and it says, Dune, Part one, which I'm sure was a, a surprise to a lot of people. And if there's something that you don't want to do is rush Dune because of how long it, how long is needed to set up all of the background information, all of that atmosphere. Atmosphere is, is, is important. But that being said, the movie looked great. Oh, um, the cinematography in that movie is amazing. Who they picked for... I don't. I don't know if Jason Momoa did a good job as Duncan Idaho because Duncan Idaho is this swashbuckler, full of bravado. There's a lot of stuff they they cut out. Um, when there's there's this whole uh, part of the book where the Harkonnens have had it in for the uh, the Atreides for generations stemming back from a feud coming from the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Skarsgård made a fantastic villain. Baron Vladimir Harkonnen is a very, is is a complicated yet sympathetic villain. He is terrifying. I cannot um, say more praise about that cast because, like, I mean, that's Bautista in it. <laughs> you know, me being a wrestling dork, like, but like, I never once Wayne Glossal yeah, Raban. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. no, because because Glossal Raban is a clod, but what he's good at is being menacing. He killed his own father and mother without um, a, any any care, any hesitation. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't care. So his job before the Atreides came in was to squeeze Arrakis. Um, Baron and the Harkonnens had been stockpiling spice, unbeknownst to the Emperor, um, for years. So they were sitting on this wealth. And something about the Harkonnens is that they're, they're treacherous. Um, they are underhanded. They will always win by whatever means. And the Atreides is the exact opposite. If you were to... Atreides are definitely lawful good if we're giving it back to D&D alignment. Duke Leto, his people love him. He comes from Caladan, which is this 
water fishing planet, backwoods planet. The Harkonnens come from Gidi Prime, which is this industrial wasteland. They're slaves. They rule by fear. They're iron fist. The Caledonians love Duke Leto. And this is what the Padishah Emperor um, has been watching. And the Emperor is very petty, and he saw that Leto was rising up the ranks, and he thought he was threatened by uh, Leto. So he operates, he arranges this coup between him and the Harkonnens that, oh, well, every decade or so, Arrakis gets a new steward amongst the families. And uh, the Atreides won that lottery. So they take over as stewards, and Leto thinks that he's going to, just like Caladan, start over and have the people, let's change things around for the better and make friends with the Fremen. Instead, the Fremen were striking back at any outworlders because if there's the Fremen know Dune inside and out. So here's a thing, too. I probably just, I'm talking to the audience, I guess, at this point. If you guys think this is a very detail oriented, yo, you guys saw Game of Thrones. What do you think shit like that started from? <laughs> like, seriously. Multi-season. Yeah, Game exactly. of Thrones. And even then, you think we're going to see a conclusion to the books? George uh, oh, R. R. Oh, no, no, get going to die before uh, <laughs> Feast of Crows. What was it? Feast of Crows that he's working on? Oh, God. Uh, no, it's the Song of uh, Fire and Night. Wait, okay. or is that it? I'm that, not sure. The whole thing is the Song yeah, of Fire and Night. Yeah, yeah, right. It, um, no, The Winds of Winter. Okay. I think that's what it is. But, uh, dude, it, I, I could be well into my 50s by the time he finishes that damn book. Sure. And not only that, but, like, the dude got so much money from making residuals off of everything. I mean... Contributing to the story. I don't know how much uh, he was involved in uh, Elden Ring. Thank you. That's what I was getting ready to say. The dude got so much money just from that. From Elden Ring. And what's Elden Ring? Well, if you're a video game guy, what we're talking about... Oh, just the outselling game that outsold Call of Duty this year. Yeah. (laughs) They're making some money. (laughs) You know what I mean? So... Dune is a precipice for like deep dives into lore, and more so than the lore. There, there is Dune series is a very philosophical book. There is the Litany Against Fear that I have said when I have been having anxiety attacks that has helped me out. The toast that I said when checking levels that that Leto Duke Leto says that. Uh, I must rule with iron claw as the hawk among lesser birds. That's a really good toast. He says that <laughs> so at this this, shit, um, yeah. this dinner scene that was cut out, this, uh, this deleted scene um, from from the movie. Do you think the movie's going to do like an extended version, like you know, like Lord of the Rings did? You think oh, I wouldn't mind doing seeing a five hour cut. I wouldn't either, honestly. There's, I really wouldn't. I would. I want to see more uh, Gurney Halleck. Um, I want to see. Oh, the, the the whole reason why uh, uh, Doctor Yui uh, betrayed the family—it's—it's it's only mentioned. He only mentions it in one. I'm sorry that I'm doing this. They have my wife Wanda. You don't know the backstory. You don't know that the Souk doctors—that—that's the station that Doctor Yui is—are incorruptible. They are trained and programmed by the Empire to do their job without being able to be swayed. 
and Harkonnens find a way to twist him, to break him, because that's what Baron Harkonnen does, is he finds your exploit, and he digs in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's to me, like, you know, I, I get super nerdy about it because I just think that, like, it's so fascinating. Um if you care anything about so much about Lord of the Rings, and then if you've seen those expanded versions, you're gonna just fall in love with Dune. Um, you're talking about his son. What, what's his name? Frank? No, Brian. 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 He actually started doing a. He's doing the graphic novel versions of it, and he's the one that's adapting them, I believe. And those are really cool too. So I they, don't know. It's yeah. the book seven and eight. In the there's a there's a steep fall off, and this is an issue of contention amongst uh, fans of the series, readers of the series, where the books that he wrote along with Kevin J. Anderson to finish out the initial eight book series, those last two books stink. Mm. It's an awful. I can understand in some way to take this monumental work that your dad did that is so beloved. And then have to wrap it up. It stinks the way that it did. Yeah, yeah. It's I I equated to like remember how they said the um, the movie The Watchmen was an unmakeable movie. Yeah. And how Watchmen was so beloved by comic book readers, and then the outcome of what you saw. Uh, I mean. Alan Moore didn't like it, but also Alan Moore doesn't like a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, He's not, consummate no. curmudgeon. Yeah, I was going to say, he can get bent. He hates a lot of shit. <laughs> uh, Brian did, yeah, I think also there's a HBO series about With, the Benny Gesserit that Brian Herbert is behind, involved in I, somehow. I, I, yeah, I read about that too, and um, it's... Like I, I don't know where they they go from it because like kind of going back to another thing too about what you said about uh, Watchmen. Like speaking of HBO, HBO is the one who did that that Watchmen limited series, and it was cool. And I'm not trying to shit on it, but it was just like when I was watching it, I was like, are people gonna like this? Because like this is really fucking weird, and it's unabashedly weird. Like it's one of these things oh, where it's like <laughs> just wait, if you, just wait if if these movies get to book four and the Worm God Emperor, uh, that is I don't know I don't think it's going to be a miracle if we get to book three. Yeah, yeah. He uh, Villeneuve wants to do at least Dune Messiah, which is the second book, but the one th- I. I Forgive me that for jumping jumping back, uh, but the one th- an important thing about Dune that Frank Herbert worked into his series is the idea of fractals. There's the phrase that is said several times within the series: plans within plans within plans. You Uh-oh, are math <gasps> reading. Not that you have to do math. No, no, book, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's. Things that are set in place in book one, and then you read book four, or you get to book five or book six, and you realize that there's been this massive plan all along when 
Leto gets to talk, Leto too gets talking about his golden path, the golden path that he sets humanity on, the idea of noble purpose. When the Bene Gesserit, um, Odrade is in Siege Tebur and uh, going fi- finds this giant spice horde and sees that Leto too left messages for her to find so many thousand years ahead. So there's plans that are set in motion. See, I love it when shit has a payoff. Like that, that's one of my pet peeves. Somewhat where like where especially as TV shows do it, sometimes comic books do it, but like where they lead you like there's some Marvel movies that are, are that are victim of this where they lead you with like a last minute stinger. And you're like, okay, and then all of a sudden they pick up the sequel and it doesn't address it or anything like that. And you're like, what the fuck? No, it's like there's, there's just nothing, something that comes with how come blah blah blah. There's nothing quick about Dune. Yeah. There see? is there's a there's something mentioned and then you spend the next two and a half hours to expand upon it. it so we get the inklings in the first part of Dune, uh, the first movie. And yeah, it's the Golden book. Path. Yeah, yeah. The first inklings of Paul's prescience because he inhales so much of this spice that he trips balls. <laughs> and he <laughs> starts true. seeing he starts seeing all the paths in front of him. He sees this great battle. He sees this jihad that people are flying the Atreides flag in his name and he sees all of this bloodshed and pain. And he's only 15 years old. Yeah, yeah, Paul was tripping DMT. <laughs> and so it went from there. <laughs> he, this noble purpose in Paul's mind is this terrible purpose. He inadvertently, he he sees the path that things are going to take. And then they happen, but he can't end up he he doesn't he's unable to stop it because he himself, Paul is a pawn in this millennia plan that the Bene Gesserit have played out because they have this breeding program that they've been pairing families with families and families to try and create something called the Kwisatz Haderach. It's a gobbledygook word. I was going to say, can we spell that? No, (laughs) I can't. He's like no, but it's the it's the shortening of the path. This is the this is going to be the super being that is able to lead humanity in a direction that the Bene Gesserit want. But Paul, because Jessica messed up somewhere along the line, and the Bene Gesserit set forth on planet Arrakis this thing called Missionary Protectiva they kind of screwed themselves and things get jumbled up and things go bananas because Paul's just going along with it. I was going to say something that was kind of just laid out with it and just kept going forward. There was a prophecy that was foretold, but it got messed up and now there's a huge amount of bloodshed and Paul is just a pawn in everything. But he sees he, but he sees this, and he he knows he can't stop it. So, <laughs> this is really cool, <laughs> and I really want to like I honestly want to start breaking into the book. And what, what I mean by that is, 
uh, our buddy Von Grimm here actually gave us copies of Dune. Like, that's awesome. He came bearing gifts. Hey, Matt, I got you a book of Dune. I'll, I'll keep it here at No Sleep Studio for you. But, yeah, there's two copies right here sitting on there staring and at it's me. Only, it's amazing. It's, Matt, don't worry. It's only 863 pages long. Um, you know, you could, uh, you could use it if you don't get through all of it. It makes a great weight. Like you could make some, you could wrap it in foil and then make brick chicken with it. And somehow still not as contentious as the Bible. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, I could, I could quote chapter and verse of Dune. <laughs> I'm just saying, and honestly, we could talk about this, like, I could listen to you all day about this, and I do, there's going to be part two when it comes out one day, and I'm definitely going to talk to you, and we're definitely going to bring it up, because there's so much gear that I want to talk about, um, because like, like I said, I barely know a little bit about the movie, I've done a little bit of research, and you know so much more about it, and it just, it's just, it's like, when, and it's when I gobble it all up. Reading, reading the books, getting into it, versus... Just watching that 1984 version of of David Lynch's Dune is completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, I love. Yeah, I don't mind giving giving people books because I've gotten so much from this series. It's to say that it's life changing is a bit hyperbole, but I've never gotten more from a book series. What? Because I said it gets philosophical. You, there's parts where I read it and. I stop and I ponder it. I'm like, wow, that's to, 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 I don't know if that was the intent that Herbert had, but that's how it resonates. And to me, that, that speaks multitudes of just stuff I like in general, comic books, books, movies, music. Like if it speaks to me kind of like that philosophical leeway and, and gives depth to it. Then like I just get so much more out of it, and I'm the same way. If it's something that I really like, and I'm like, hey, you should check this out. <laughs> like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, hey, this is cool. You, you check it out. There's parts of it mm-hmm. later on. Books on. I talked about the noble purpose, where we there's the idea of sometimes we have to do the things that we do because it's the right thing, not because we want to do them, not because they're they they not because we benefit from the things that we do. But that noble purpose, it's the, it's the things that we do because it's the right thing to do. So pivoting off of that, yeah, <laughs> there's something that um, I see that you post a lot, and it's actually something I you know, really stand for, too. And uh, it's very talking about what's going on today. Here we go. <laughs> hey, trigger warning for everyone who's listening. Um, we do talk about female reproductive rights here and getting to abortion. That's not something you're cool with. Take off, you know, whatever. Uh, I'll see you guys next week for another short. If so, hey, thanks. <laughs> We're gonna take a dive into this because, I, honestly, being a male, I know that a lot of times, like, oh, I don't want to talk about these kind of issues. I don't want to talk about that. Blah blah blah. But I'm sorry, abortion and reproductive rights. That's something that's going on today, y'all, and it's something that. Uh, it should be talked about. It should be everyone should have uh, be informed about certain things. And then to me, it's so much more than, you know, killing babies and starting life. Like, it's not that, you know? Before I get going, I just want to make the disclaimer statement. Two disclaimer statements. Um, anything that I'm going to say is my opinion 
and not the opinion of anybody that, any groups that I'm, I'm, I'm a part of, uh, anybody I work for, and also I want to, it's important for us to state that the framework in which we are talking about this is two cis white men. That does not make it any less important for this topic to be talked about because it needs to be talked about. I don't know if people realize that how bad things could get right now. So in Texas, we had SBA that passed, that Abbott passed, um, that made abortions illegal after six weeks without the exception of rape or incest. Which is also kind of crazy because, I mean, some ladies don't even know when they're pregnant. There's at that. that time. Yes. Right. I'm just saying. Anyway. Um, things have progressed. Right? We thought that was crazy. <laughs> that, that, that's a way to put it lightly. It, they've progressed. <laughs> because it's gotten... Because like, of a recent leak. Yeah. That there was a memo drafted by Judge Alito that hinted at that the Supreme Court was going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And it's freaking bonkers to <laughs> bonkers think. Is, yeah, bonkers I'm, I'm is trying right. to, I, I can't. <sighs> I worked in CPS. Yeah, yeah. Before my current job. This is years ago. I worked for CPS in New Jersey. And saw the evils that men can do. The good, but also in the capacity of that job. And the people that suffered. The kids, the women. And the fact that this is going on that there's a trigger law that is that Texas has in place if Roe versus Wade gets overturned that would make abortions completely illegal I'm without words a lot of people are a lot of people don't know what to do and if it doesn't mean that we we have to we we have to keep on fighting we can't stop talking about this because if we do, then what? We just roll over and we take it? I'm sorry, man. I can't fucking not fight against you, this. And like, uh, I know that uh, here on the podcast, right? Like, oh, well, like whatever. But like, honestly, this is just something that we, we kind of just feel, you know, I would talk about it anyway. Like, I, I honestly, if you don't like what we're saying or whatever, that's fine. That's your opinion. This is mine. This is our podcast. You want something, get a podcast. <laughs> you know, but it's something that I, I truly think that is disturbing for the fact that, you know, to me, it's so much more than what I was talking about previously, the sanctity of life. You know, I'm the person on this podcast who always talks about, hey, I believe in a religion and I, and I, you know, believe in things. But, like, there's certain things like that I don't hold a, a firm grasp on, uh, specifically when it comes to, like, people. Um, this and, is misogyny. And, yeah, that, that, that's the best way to put it. And because, like, I know people, you know, and I'm not going to throw out names, but I know at least a few people who have had an abortion. And their stories are heartbreaking. It's not One something, man. See? And, yes. and it's, 
this is this is more than this is more than abortion. This is oh yeah, it's, body it's autonomy. About, yeah, it's way more about than you know. Like I said, it's way more about than just life. It's a group of people telling women what they can or cannot do with their bodies. It's what. Let me pose this. Let me let me let me switch for anybody listening to this. If you let's say. A man goes and gets his gets a, a refill on Viagra. But beforehand, that man has to get five different signatures from five different women that he knows. And then, let's say, once his prescription is ready, the grocery store announces it to the entire store and then calls his family. Or it's a it's a it's a, maybe it's a poor example, but no, I think it's spot on it's, because it's, it's that, invasion of privacy. Right? It's, it's invasion of, of privacy, mm -hmm. and you better believe the the lawmakers that are handing this down. If their wives or daughters or mistresses need abor abortion services, you better believe that they're going to get them. But yeah, all this yeah. does is it's a hindrance of freedom. And civil liberties of a specific group, and not only that, it's you know it's class structure. To be honest, because it's like what when when they start putting all the laws and everything, who's going to be able to afford it? Who's going to be able to do it? You people know? that have the means, exactly. People that will have the means to then move out of state if if this if Texas does have its master plan. And let me, I I thought about this too. Um, because they've already messed with voting rights, voting restrictions. They made it difficult to do mail-in ballots. Yeah, gender mandarins are stupid. <laughs> Gerrymandering. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, Jerry, excuse me. But also, felons can't vote. Exactly. So, once abortions become illegal, sure, okay, doctors who they catch. We already live in a state that um, has bounties on aiding anybody getting abortion, but women and marginalized populations have been proven to be a major voting block in elections. And if more of those women are felons, have felony charges, because they sought an abortion or <sighs> sorry man i'm getting i'm getting fired up about it no no I'm, no i feel you I, no no because like i i like i said i and i i keeping it ambiguous so possible yeah i know several people who've had them and so it hits close to home to me you know I, and i know that immediately a lot of people like to throw out well you were born like you're right but my family had a choice you know and I know a lot of people too they had a choice and when you hear some of these stories like honestly go out and go listen to some of these stories of women who who's had them and they have come from all walks of life um, I have some quotes here from NPR that I'll share here in a sec but uh, you'll be surprised at how many women they deal with you know not only their conscience which is hard enough to do especially the way society is but they deal with 
man, if I have another kid, I can't take care of my life. I can't take care of the rest of my uh, the rest of my family. Like you're, they're literally choosing a, a life or death scenario with it. Um, you know, uh, other you talk about rape and incest. Yeah, that's another thing too. I I, I know a lot of people. The other option is like, well, just go for adoption. Yeah, but the psychological trauma that you're gonna have for nine months out of the kid that you had for spite, out of spite for someone who went and you know didn't know how to keep his dick tucked, or a young girl that ends up being pregnant because they were raped by a, a family member and then can't get an abortion because of the laws as they, they as they read, has to then raise that take that child to full term, unless it endangers that woman's life, that girl's life, and then the rapist has the right to raise that child, has, has parental rights over that kid. Which is, it's really fucked up. Like, it's and, all and, fucked up. And I'm laughing at it, ironically. Like, I read this thing on Twitter just the other day about how, they said, man, how crazy is it in Texas where if you're 12 years old, you can't go see a PG-13 movie. You can't go vote. You can't go drink. But you have to have a kid to motherhood. <laughs> and it's like, that's fucked up. <laughs> but, like, it's a, it's a harsh reality, right? And I think this is just, just you know? the start. If this, if, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, because I'd like to, until it actually happens, I'd like to keep on saying if. There'll be same-sex marriages that are challenged. I read that's that what they're come for next, right? LBGTQIA plus rights. Uh, I read that as of today, Texas Supreme Court um, uh, uh, reinstated. Or um, remember how Abbott called for CPS to investigate child, uh, families yeah, of, of transgender uh, kids yeah. for gender-affirming therapies. Well, it's open season again so on them. So if you saw the Snowden movie or know anything about Edward Snowden, he was the one who had to do with a lot of, you know, uh, security breaches or a lot of, you know, your data being sold and, you know, NSA privatizing onto it. it a nightmare here in that I've seen here, at least in Texas, I don't know if anybody else has seen it uh, nationally, but women are scared to use any apps that keep track yes. of their period or their, their menstrual cycles because... Guess what? Anytime you go and buy those things, it keeps track of it. They keep that data. They can go and sell that. The government can go and buy that data. Absolutely. And then, I mean, I'm sorry, but what, 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 I know, you know, 1984, but, I mean, can we say police state? Can we say, you know, Big Brother's watching you? Because that's already, that's not to be a conspiracy, because, like, that's not my thing. Anybody who's listening to this podcast knows how, how much I joke about dumb conspiracies, but that's not an actual conspiracy. That's an actuality here in the state of Texas. If we got you know to I mean? this point, if we got to this point, what you said isn't too far off. I joked before when I was writing notes, like, you know, I, I joked, like, how far-fetched the idea of the movie series The Purge is. Well, I don't know. Like, we never, Democrats in, in, in office never thought that we would actually get to the point of Roe versus Wade possibly being overturned. So how far-fetched is... No, that's, that's hyperbole. But, like, how far-fetched is, is the Well, purge? I mean, I think, like, just to be cheeky, you know what I'm saying? It's like... Uh, here, like, we'll bring it back to reality, right? Yeah, uh, please. People, people on the left, they never thought Donald Trump could get elected. You know, everybody thought he was, you know, uh, just the... 
a speck on the ass cheek of America. And during his term, <laughs> he was able to get three Supreme Court justices yeah, in chairs. Exactly. It, it wouldn't, and to me, what, what's so crazy is just that there's people out there who don't see the gray area in the issue. It's a yes or no thing. And to me, especially as I got older, you know, I grew up with a lot of religion. I grew up a lot of church, and I still have a lot of you know faith with that. But I also believe in humanistic things, and I think that we have to take care of each other onto it. And people will try to throw religion into it, but like honestly, the good book's not about that, y'all. The good book's taking about caring your own. That's what JC did, y'all. He wasn't all like, oh, you know, he, you know, if he, he never went through and be like, oh, you guys are from Samaria, that's out of my, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, you guys are out of network. <laughs> like we're, we, uh, I can't do miracles for you guys. Oh, you guys were killing babies. Uh, you know, I, I really wish I could forgive. You. Like, no, that's bullshit. That's not what he did. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, don't don't come don't come at me with like, oh, blah 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 blah. Like, look. It's not a matter of what's right and wrong. It's a matter about what we need as a humanity and how we need to let people live based on choices that they have. And we shouldn't be policing bodies. And, I've, I've got no basis in saying what someone does with their body. Exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. I mean, th th there's, there's a reason why people say... Uh, you have no, you know, uh, having taken over someone's autonomy, their own, you know, well-being and their own sense is wrong. And having a struck chord on this is doing that. It's taking away people's rights. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of people like to throw out, you know, certain facts about, oh, well, this is that. This is that um, NPR threw out a, a good article. I want to say last week. Um, excuse me, I have it written down, but May 6th, and they threw out a bunch of common misconceptions that people have in this country about Roe versus Wade and abortion. And some of these things are eye-opening if you, if you ever have never looked at it. And uh, uh, Steve, you can show, uh, show up with some of these on here with me, but like, uh, for instance, and these are all, like I said, on NPR. Go back and look. You can go and Google them. They all have sources, things like that. Um, the article was published on May 6th. But uh, so basically 61% of people believe that abortion should be legal. That's basically six out of 10 people. So, you know, that, that's a vast majority. Don't, don't let everybody be like, oh, wow, wow, wow. Like, no, majority of people, they choose, they would like for it to be legal and for it to keep going, you know? So in your opinion, then, if that's the case, and we elect our officials to ideally represent us. And because I, I went to a rally in at Discovery Green, Beto showed up. Yeah, yeah. He, I don't. He showed up like he was like they thought it was. I, I like, yeah, I was gonna say. I like, I like how it was like a, you know a mixtape. It or was. Something. It was a rally. <laughs> he presented along with other speakers. And they said, well, come November, we have to speak with our votes. Well, we did. We have. We have a Democratic president in office. We have a House that is Democratic. Granted, the Senate is Republican. 
there could have been something done decades ago to secure human rights, women's reproductive rights, but no one did anything. So why do you think? Do you think that one side used that topic to try and make the voting public lean towards voting Democrats in office? Or do you think, like, what I'm getting at is, if we elected the, the, the people that we thought were going to stand up for women's reproductive rights, and they didn't do anything, well, did they, did they actually, were they actually serious about what they said? Um, well, so a lot of this comes up to credibility, right? Um, and, and I'm an advocate for voting. I always vote. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't know I mean? not vote. So, you know, just that I wanted to give that, that kernel first and foremost. You know, I also specifically urge people to vote locally because those are the people who subject you to globally. When I mean globally, you want to, you know, vote for your council members. You want to vote for all those people first because they're the ones who also start putting out your senators, who start putting out your congressmen, who start putting out your representatives. So start small, y'all. Because those are the people who, who directly influence you, and then as they goes up bigger, those are your that's who goes out to your nationals, right? Going back to the subject, um, as far as you know, things on there. Because to be honest, yeah, I vote mostly to the left. You know, I, I, I'll be honest, I have Same. voted for dem uh, Democrats uh, on there, but I mean, m my voting is not limited just for the Democratic Party. I do usually a very progressive voter. I don't. I I have no shame saying that. But um, I think a, a thing that comes into play is that um, sleight of hand, uh, sleight of hand, and apathy. And I'll explain both of those. Uh, sleight of hand is kind of like you know an a magic trick where they want your eyes away from something. They'll Misdirection. Go and, yes, they'll get. They'll go and tell you something else. Well, in the background, they're doing something else, and then right before your eyes, they did something, and you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? And I think they do a lot of hot button items like that, and then it gets over pushed underneath, and all of a sudden it comes out to the beginning just kind of like this did. Um, that Then all of a sudden, hey, look at it. Hey, what's going on? And that does a lot of things specifically. It spirals, right? Um, for instance, I know a lot of, I'm an older millennial, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm not quite Gen X, but I am an older millennial, and a lot of people in my generation, and some of these Gen Z kids who are coming, they have a lot of apathy based on that, and what I mean by that is just that like, they get so used to being shitted on, and, and someone playing a trick on them, why should I care? Why should I, what, what does it matter now? Why should I care, and therefore, why should I vote? Because they're going to do what they want. I can, I absolutely understand and I think also that is maybe why people feel like they they can't get involved or they can't make a change because they see what's going on around them regardless of how the public feels and it's still turning to shit so so you know um what I would like to do is just put some faith into our, our youngins because that's what I try to do with my niece and nephews that, to me we don't want to get beat down by that. We want to get beat down on, on 
some of the institutional things our forefathers have, and I use that in quotes because that's a whole nother ball of wax. But, you know, Constitution and everything was built on the backs of that the government, people should not be afraid of its government. The government should be afraid of its people. And why do you think they throw a ruckus anytime somebody starts rioting and you start messing up their precious property? When people aren't being treated right, and several times you've seen Black Lives Matters issues. Why do you think people start making a deal when you start messing with their money? You know, um, it's things like that. So don't think for a second that, oh, well, you know, if I don't, it, it, nothing's gonna happen if we don't do anything. Well, that's not true. You know, it, I mean, just think about it, if everyone was, it was a unified body and demanded, you know, reason and demanded onto it. Um, I was talking to you, uh, uh, Steve, about how I heard some men previously saying that they, they chose not to have a stance on this subject. And they're like, well, you know, I'm not a woman. I, 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 I don't do that. I, I want what ladies want and things like that. And I kind of feel that's a cop-out answer. I feel like, no, you need to take a stance because it, to me it's so much more than, like I said, sanctity of life. It's so much more than about you know abortions. It's about a lot of different things, and it's about things that cir you know, circumvent about that. You know, especially when you start looking into, you know, some of the uh, some of these other things that we're talking about. You know, the way that they get pushed around the agenda. You know, the way that like they try to make you know these uh, corporate districts. You know, that they'll cut through another district that's poor and say it's another one just so they can get voting things, so they they can get you know money for it. You know, um, hey, spoiler alert: the rich take care of the rich. Oh yeah, no, I had that. I. I try not to be, my anxiety has been awful since this has started, since SB8 started, and I try not to get too pessimistic, but I can't help but have the idea float through my head that our elected representatives, their first priority is to their campaign donors and not necessarily to the people that voted them into office. And, and not only that, but uh, another thing too, so uh, I used to work polls back when I was younger. When I was at Australia 18, I could start voting, I started working some polls. Yeah, yeah Trey was kind of civic nerd. You know, I, I've, I've been a nerd of many qualities. <laughs> but uh, I was around one of my local congressmen, shout out, uh, you know, Gene uh, Green, hey. But uh, I used to know people who worked in his office. And this is the kind of people who very much listen to their constituents, listen to their people who live in their areas, who did these certain things. And he knew that if he didn't do what was right for his community, if he didn't do what was on there, they were going to vote with their voting power, their, you know, their public bullying power, and get rid of him. You know, and, and if, uh, that district now is mostly Hispanic. And he was, you know, uh, uh, for all, I guess, uh, intents and purposes, a white male. And they kept him there because he kept those people in mind. So when you use your, you know, civic bullying power to its full potential, we can get some of these things turned around and get some of these things changed. You know, um, uh, everybody, to me, it's easy for you to see black and white. 
You know, like, uh, what <laughs> talking shit more about Star Wars. You know, Siths only see in absolutes. And what, what that whole line meant was that, and I know some people be like, well, Trey with the Jedi are just a, like, no, you need to do more Star Wars work. But basically, they were just saying that people who refuse to see the in between only see yes or no. You know, when you draw the line to yes or no, you're leaving out a whole group of people where it wasn't that easy and it wasn't that clear to do these kind of decisions. You know, like people who want to go have an abortion, you don't think they sat there and thought about it? You yeah, know what I mean? right, exactly. It's not, yeah. a, it's not a impulse thing. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's not like you get drunk one night and all of a sudden you're buying stupid shit off of Amazon. <laughs> like, it's not like that, no. You know what I mean? It, it, they, they put themselves through mental trauma, and if anybody who understands mental trauma, it's this generation. Because, I mean, I mean, talking to my folks who are boomers, you know, the, uh, they, they had a lot of traumas. They had a lot of, you know, generational curses that, that happened from people from before, and they didn't have names for it. And they just had to deal with it. We're in a time and a place in history where we're able to talk about these things and able to bring about, you know, awareness for them. And these people who want to get rid of, you know, reproduction rights, they want to take you back to the you know, Stone Ages, y'all. Like, I don't know, y'all, but I ain't about I don't know. <laughs> not sto- take things back to a puritanical, yes, yeah, evangelical that. period. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm getting at. I'm being a little exaggerative, but you get what I'm saying, that... It's on there, and then people, you know, people start saying that, like, oh, well, they're trying to do away with the. On there, it's like, well, I don't know if that's intentional. I can't speak of the, like the conspiracy onto it, but I do know it does damn you with certain things, and it does give you le- less opportunity. And when you're giving people less opportunity, you're discriminating on their rights, right? And if you're discriminating on their rights, is that right? No. Well, there's, tex- there's businesses that are leaving Texas because they want to protect their female employees. You know, um, so a thing that I'm always talking about, you know, is video games, rap music, or whatever. But this past week, um, uh, that I believe the CEO of PlayStation, Jim Ryan, he put out a an email, a company wide email, saying that, hey guys. Um, we know that a lot of the you know the talk is going on about you no know, abortions and on there, and it doesn't matter whatever side you lie on, you know we're all the same here, and uh, you know I have a cat and it blah 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 and yeah and I'm not making this shit up. Go look it up. <laughs> and, so he was equating the fear that people are feeling. He was trying to he was trying to do the same fallacy of hey we're all the same. I got all this stuff, and he started talking about. Like, I, fun, trying to be funny about cats, and guess what? Half the people who worked at the PlayStation in, in America were like, yo, that's not a good look. We don't like that shit, you know? And, and that, that's what I'm talking about, that workforce looking at their leader and being like, yo, that's bullshit. You think it's, it's that guy who's in a spot financially and socially that he just he's so out of touch with the rest of the populace that that's I, I how he was that's how he was trying to equate that's honestly i do believe that I, I i do think that like a lot of these people live in a bubble as they say where they, they've gotten so far from humble beginnings they don't know what it's like anymore and so they think that they're being cute and jokey and blah 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 and they don't realize what they're talking about it's kind of like anytime you see uh a giant corporate like we saw a lot of this during you know uh, 
the past two years, right? When Black Lives Matter was in the zeitgeist and you know george floyd was a thing you saw a lot of giant corporations being like hey guys if you want to wear your black Lives matters t-shirt to work it's okay and it's like oh and it's like yeah. bitch where were y'all earlier we're just about to go into <laughs> pride month right and it happens every freaking year of all these corporations that all of a sudden put rainbows on their their products and say don't worry we support too do you right and, and, or and are you just trying to make a buck Right, and it seems a little flat. It seems like it falls face, and to me, those are the fake people you should be worried about. You need to do, and, and I guess this is me talking directly. You need to go and take your civic rights, take that power back, and continue with it. Because if you're going to continue to think cynically and not do anything, well, then nothing's going to happen. So it's when we stay apathetic and we stay cynical is that we decide that, hey, we're in a safe space. And that's, that, that's not what we should do. Um, you know, uh, rebellions weren't won overnight, but rebellions that die never win. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's one of those things, I just think it's super crazy and super unfortunate, but, uh, you know, the, the stats are there. Like, and, and, we have like, to keep caring. We have to keep fighting. Um, you know, like... For instance, a couple of these things, like I was saying, I want to talk about that was on the NPR, was that uh, pe- they say that uh, it's mostly, you know, God, uh, heathens or whatnot that go and get abortions. Well, according to the study they showed it from NPR, from one of the trusted poll firms, they said about 60% of the people who did have an abortion said they had a religious affiliation. Now that now that's not just a Catholicism. That's not just you know your Pentecostal or uh, Puritanical people. That's also people who are you know Muslim or you know things like that or just different faiths. But like that's that's vast majority of people who go and have an abortion actually have a faith in something in a deity. So. <laughs> Yeah, most of the people... It's a misconception. You know, yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, don't, don't go over there thinking that, like, oh, my God, blah, 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 this. Like, no. Uh, another thing, too, a, a misconception is people's, like, oh, man, no, abortions are so dangerous, blah, blah, blah. Uh, another thing, CDC showed that studies show that 90% of abortions are safe. They're going to get more dangerous. So making abortions illegal is not going to stop them. It's just going to cause women to seek unsafe uh, uh seek abortions through unsafe means and when they do that guess what they can't control that and when they can't control that that's when people will say the crude joke of uh, you know coat hanger babies well it's a crude joke because that's something they used to do back in the day because nobody was regulating it and that was dangerous you know what's more dangerous than having an abortion actually going through childbirth and having a pregnancy like that's ridiculous i know it's i know it sounds funny and a little ironic but it's true and it, it texas i saw that texas ranked 50 for the number of women that have health insurance between the ages of 19 and 63 that's just so insane like uh you know um another thing too i mean we're talking about you know i mean uh i'm a hispanic white-looking person, I'm a man, I'm heterosexual, but side gender women, women who are, you know, tr- you know, traditionally that, they're not the only ones who have abortions. Um, in 2017, 
CDC also said that uh, non-binary and uh, transgender people, uh, from their count, about 500 of them had one too. Those things can happen there on there. I mean, first of all, let's talk about a little bit something that's kind of crazy. There's a high suicide rate for, you know, transgender folks. Sure. Yes. And that's terrible in itself. I mean, and that's a whole other thing that we can get into. But I mean, for some, it would might potentially be a humiliation to them. You know, and. It's them dealing with it. And whose business is that? Nobody's. It's their own fucking business of what they want to do with their body that they want to go get with, uh, get with. Like, you may not be feel comfortable with it. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, that, that, the, a, a life is way, way more better to be feel comfortable. And it's like people, uh, they don't see the forest for the trees, as my pop would say. Like uh, kind of the deal where it's, and you'll see a lot of this uh, digression on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is not a safe place. But uh, <laughs> where they care so much about, you know, unborn, unconscious cells. But the minute, you know, you're able to breathe and, oh. you know, whatever, they want you kicked out of the job. They it's don't want a, you doing anything. It's an old George Carlin bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yes, yeah. yeah. People are, are pro-life until the baby's actually born. And then what? They don't want to take care of them. Um, who cares? You know, it's, your, uh, it's it's the person's problem. Not I mean, theirs. Th- to be honest, it's not even pro life. It's pro birth. <laughs> to be honest, it's pro birth. If you're pro life, then you know you would start doing things like you know, healthcare. Make sure people aren't privatizing drugs like insulin. Why is it if I go to the UK, I can pay five bucks for like you know a vial of insulin, but here it's like five hundred dollars. You know. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that America has not right, but that doesn't mean we can't make it better for people beyond us. And and I don't mean future, future generations. I mean people now because it's kind of a thing that people are going through right now. I mean, can, I can only imagine, only imagine, like, you know, I, I have no witness with it, but being scared right now and being a woman about having someone say what you can and can't do with your own body. You know, uh, like, like we we're talking about, you know, people tracking you. That's terrifying in itself. Just because, uh, well, you know, you, you have these thoughts and you had a, a certain way of feeling the way with your life. But what about thinking that maybe possibly in the near future that your access to birth control is going to be affected? Um, that possibly maybe in the future that women in Texas are going to be stopped, prevented from, from leaving the state, trying to go to another state to seek an abortion. You know, uh, that, that's, that, you know that's really, that's, that's heavy. That, it's a lot. Um, you know, there's people here in Texas who make jokes about, you know, people from California coming over here for jobs and opportunity, but it's not a joke. It's actually real. People have because the cost of living here is a whole lot cheaper than it is, you know, in the East Coast and in the West Coast. Um, so that that's really not a joke. And so when you're talking about people packing up and going to different state lines to get an abortion onto it, that too is not a joke. If they have the means to do so. Exactly. If they have the means to do so, which honestly comes down to being monetarily. 
you know, which comes back to what we were talking about previously, and that's not fair. You know, um, it's just kind of funny to be in the land of the free and ain't nobody free. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's, it's kind of insulting, specifically when you want to feel good. Like, I mean, for instance, me being a Texan, I've lived this state my entire life. Anytime I meet someone overseas or anything like that, one of the first go-tos is, hey, where are you from? It's not from, hey, I'm from the United States. Hey, it's not from, you know, I'm from whatever. No, I'm from Texas. And so, like, it's Because kinda... you, that's your identity. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's because Texas tries to set itself apart from the rest of the United States? I, I think it has a lot to do with pride. Um, you know, we were our own country for so long. We were on there. But as I got older, it's, sometimes it's embarrassing. And... What do you mean, Trey? Well, you see stuff. Have, have you guys ever looked at stuff that Greg Abbott says? <laughs> like, have you seen like some of this? Like, it, it, it's so backwards. I mean, just from his COVID policies to like his stance, what we're talking about now in abortion. And it's all like trying to uh, lump in. Remember when he um, when uh, the COVID shutdowns were happening, and he lumped in uh, breweries in with with bars. And this was before beer to go um, was a thing. Um, put a all. I'm surprised um, he didn't kill a local local beer business. Um, the freeze. That happened. Oh yeah, the power grid. Like that. That's a major issue. Blamed the windmills. Oh, blamed yeah. solar and blamed wind power. And, and when th I believe it was like less than thirteen percent of the power that we got in the state of Texas. Oh, FYI, state of Texas is one of the largest states in the United States, and less than ten percent is trying to say that that was the issue. I mean, I'm not you know a mathematician, but <laughs> you get what I'm saying. So plus the other stuff that we said before about creating that bounty system for people to take women seeking abortion, people aiding, transporting people to abortions. What is it, the $10,000 yeah. in court if, yeah. they, if they win? And uh, then, uh, and I don't remember the, the exact fact on this, so you guys have to research it, but uh, you can be charged up to $100,000 if you were a doctor that had influence with uh, attributing to an abortion. Like, whoa. Like doing time up to like, what? That, that. I'm sorry. And all of this, all of this. I know this is this is a big thing. All of this, all of these restrictions that he put in place. You know the the, um, the SBA. I go back to that. There's no exclusions for rape or incest. The trigger law that would go in place still has no exception for rape or incest. This is this is the man. This is if you support Greg Abbott, this is the man who did these things. So, you know, I would be doing a, a huge disservice if I didn't say this because I know my cohort Matt would always often say this. Fuck Greg Abbott, <laughs> like literally, fuck him. I'm sorry. It just it's ridiculous for you to be like, oh, dude, Texas, blah blah blah, and have Texas pride, and we have a governor that's. Just so mentally out there, and I, I honestly don't know if Beto O'Rourke is the answer. I don't know. It is a long shot. You know, he came close to beating Ted Cruz, but was is a whole nother thing. He, he made he made he made some enemies. Remember when he was running mm -hmm. for president, and he was advocating for mandatory gun buybacks, 
he is Texas is still a very red state with a couple of bright blue patches. I don't know if Beta Ovork is the right choice, but I can't. It's it's not Greg Abbott. Exactly. It's not just him. It's you know. I mean, here here's a good example. You know, um, if you've ever been to the middle of Texas, kind of by like your Austin, San Antonio, you know, San Marcos, they're all right, not that far away. Literally, you could fit those places within Houston. Like, so the drive's not that far. And those are big cities, you know, in Houston, well, in Texas. But the little towns in between them, they're still really traditional. And I use that in quotes. But let's be honest, a lot of them are still very racist. A lot of them still have old ways. And a lot of them still don't see things. Um, there's been studies that have been shown that like a lot of people who are further away from the city have lesser concerns than people who are in the inner city because they're around, you know, people of color. They're around discriminatory issues. I mean, I I myself, my brother is a person of color. I used to see this shit firsthand. You know, there's just something inherently wrong where I walk into a store, go buy my soda and walk out. My brother goes in there, goes buy a soda, and they're just staring at him like he's going to rob them. You know, um, so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things to work out onto, but a lot of these little in-between places, they take up the majority of, of Texas. And so some of those hearts and minds are the ones that we have to change their mind about. You know, um, when the vast population are living in the big cities, you know, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Houston. Rio Grande Valley. Rio Grande Valley is a big one. A lot of these people here, if that's where the population sector is on, then we need to start focusing and moving votes, start focusing and moving things, because we actually have a little bit more know-how than some of these older folks. Times are different. I mean, when I was just when I was a kid, we didn't have cyberbullying. You know, there's at least that. Like, if you, you had a bad I mean? day at school, at least it ended at school. At least it ended when the bell rang, and then okay, or you, you had the same shit the next day. But <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, like yeah. Francesca you, over there, like the the you know the you times. She has to wake up at ten in the morning, and then like, oh look, they're still laughing at me because I farted in school, <laughs> you know, or something lame. So like, times have gotten worse for our young people, and that's not cool. I don't sit right with that, I, it, it, especially when we want to make these people our future. When how are we supposed to do what's right for kids now, and do right for younger people if we don't take care of our own? Because you know what starts more apathy? Is not caring about... It's going to make their fight... If we give up fighting now, it's going to make their fight even more difficult. Yeah. Um, what is it? I think it's an old African proverb about the kid will burn the, the village down if he's not embraced by the warmth. It's kind of the same thing, you know? Where like people will go and do crazy shit if we don't take care of them. And a lot of people don't see it like that. That they they still live very nineteen fifties or like you know by the sweat of my brow I have to work and do all this stuff. And it's like, hey, you weren't here by yourself, <laughs> you know. And it's kind of like, hey, it's something we all have to do together. You know, we we all have to take 
pride in one another and, and just because you don't agree with one person's actions doesn't mean we quit caring for everybody as a whole. And so when we start showing some of that love and showing some of that things, you start caring about their rights too, you know? So if anything you take away from the day, just open up your head a little bit, man. See some other people for what they're worth. Hear some other stories because possible futures are way worse and can be now if we don't take care of them. You know? Um, I don't like it I, on there. Like, I wish I could be funny and lovey-dovey and just making stupid jokes and laughing all the time, but... This was a bit... This was, this, the tone of this episode versus others was, was a bit more serious. Oh, no, that was intentional, though, so it's okay. <laughs> that, that, that was by design. I felt like it was something uh, I, I wanted to speak out, but also, I mean, you're a perfect person to talk to, Mr. Von Grimm. You're the best Matt that I've seen all day. <laughs> Take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, plus, I mean, I, I just feel like, like I said, if you don't like it, well, I mean, I'm sorry. You don't. Go make your own podcast. <laughs> Honestly. Um, you know, I mean, sure, there's other things that I like and care about, too. And it's just that, for instance, video games, right? You see a lot of these kids go on Twitch, they go on streaming, they go on doing that. Well, they care a lot about these rights too. They go and, you know, take money and they go and donate to it and they go onto it. I mean, hell, you heard me tell a story earlier about PlayStation and a lot of those folks didn't like what that happened and that's just as much a legitimate business as, you know, Bank of America. So it's not just people who don't want things, it's other nerdy stuff that, I care about as well. So, and to me, that's just one of many of them. It ripples out. Yeah, is yeah. what I get. You're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely. Uh, I mean, sure, I could go and talk about you know how I like RPGs and, and I like all this other stuff too, but that that that's only one part of the diversity of this. I mean, hell, Pop is click here in itself. It you know. We champion ourselves in diversity about crazy stuff. I mean, have you heard half the shit we talk about? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I mean, we, we'll be talking about, you know, doormats and doorknobs and dick and fart jokes and then, you know, talking about something really seriously socially in a second. So that's just the way it rolls. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I enjoy it. And I, and I think that's like it's something cool that uh, we do. And then... If I can't talk about it here, where, where can we? You know, it's something that everyone should be mentioning at least, or at least have some type of formulated pot and, and not leaving yourself to uh, being so close-minded. I, I think, guess. well, and maybe forgive me if I did say this before, but I think the discourse on this needs to be talked about more, maybe normalized, and if we talk about it more instead of behind closed doors or with certain, within certain company, maybe more stuff gets done. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've involved myself a little bit. I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm a huge activist. I try and do what I can, where I can. But I, the, the activist, being involved doesn't have to be complicated. It can start with your conversation. It can start with not shying away from topics and being 
honest and open about how you feel about something and not being afraid to talk about something. Because if the person that you're talking with is made uncomfortable, I think that's, you're getting somewhere then. This is uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable topic to talk about. But that doesn't mean, if, if, we, if we shut up about it, then nothing gets done. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I joke about this a lot. I really like Sesame Street because puppets are awesome. But <laughs> they find ways to talk about subjects to kids. And, like, they talk about, you know, autism. They talk about racism. They talk about treating women right. They talk about, you know, not being creepy. And they do it in, in a way kids could understand, you know? And I always liked the fact that they were not scared to tackle subjects like this, you know, that they've talked about being homeless, you know, that they, they, they go and talk about these certain things. And this is a kid's show. You know, and if some kids can do it, well, then hell, I could do it here on Pop Fizz Click. You know, so, yo, if you hear this, you take it. Like I said, Von Grimm, and I'm sure you'll shout out some stuff here in a little bit about, you know, places you can go or, or time you can go and seek. But, um, yeah, if anything, maybe this opened your head a little bit. You know, yes, we will talk about nerdy stuff. We will, there will be more Dune discourse at another time <laughs> because I love Dune. Um, but, I really appreciate anybody who gave us a chance to listen to this right now. Um, we're running a little bit over, so uh, I guess we'll start wrapping up. But before we go, we're going to do anything like that. Mr. Von Grimm, um, is there is there anything here that you would, would like to, any causes or anything like that you want to tell us about? Well, regardless of the outcome, Planned Parenthood will still exist. Well, shout out Planned Parenthood. We, we had a short about that a while back. Yeah. I, I love that organization. Even if things do get overturned, Roe versus Wade does get overturned, the clinics will still be open and services will switch instead of, also a thing I don't know if a lot of people realize that the services that Planned Parenthood provides, of all of them, 2% of them are abortion related. Yeah, yeah, With me and Matt, uh, well a couple of weeks ago, if you guys listened to our shorts, we, we joked about how uh, they have a they have a virtual assistant you can talk to for kids, and you can talk to them about sex questions. And that's yep. anywhere from being, you know, what kind of sex you're into, uh, you know, gender flu fluidity. It's about, you know, what gets pregnant. It talks about, you know, sexually transmitted diseases. It talks about all these different things that kids can go and look at. And it, that's just not even mentioning an abortion. So, you know, so they do a lot. The... Um, contact that I have there uh, said that gave me a couple of resources that I want to uh, uh, tell people about abortionfinder.org clinicaccess.org at the rally that was over at Discovery Green in Houston there was a speaker that said needabortion.org and also gave a number 833-947-3755 text abortion and you will get help if you need it. Um, other than that, like Trey said before, if you are using an app to track your cycle, you delete your data and then delete the app because data brokers can buy your information for ridiculously cheap and sell it. Other than that, um, until 
things change, there's still services out there for you. Um, and we'll keep on fighting. We have to. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Also, going back to data brokers, yo, you guys give you too much of your data. <laughs> like, seriously, like, don't let apps track you. Not everything needs to know what you're buying. Just FYI. This situation specifically, but don't let everything track you. But um, going back to what Mr. Von Graham was saying, yeah, don't give up, guys. That there, there's, there's things that we need to do, and there's things there's still forward motion to go. So I mean, I try to stay, you know, optimistic about what we can do. So and November that, is gonna come up, and that's what I was gonna advocate for. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Register to vote. Yes. Make sure that other your your make sure that you can ask. Get voter registration forms and it doesn't have to be who are you voting for just make sure people can vote make sure that that the person your neighbor can vote or your friends can vote because again i i don't know if beto is the answer for texas but greg abbott is not i agree with that 100 percent um yeah uh yo so i always try to reach out i always talk about my niece and my nephews um, yeah, if you have young kids that are going to be able to vote, make sure you guys get them voted. Make sure you get them registered. Make sure they can do things like that. Um, as an adult, that's one of the things that you should be taking care of is just, you know, using your right to vote. We, a lot of people go and fight for this country, and some of us aren't fortunate that we, can, we can't do things like that. And so we need to make sure that we use all the liberties that we can use to make sure that, you know, we will be granted a better life. So... FYI, just do that. Um, a few things I want to shout out. I want to shout out Matt. What's up, guy? How you doing, Matt? <laughs> I hope you're doing all right and, and killing it with all that other uh, stuff. On um, uh, your, what was it, special assignment? It was on his special assignment with the still workers. So, yeah, shout out to the still workers. <laughs> um, I want to shout out to a lot of the other people, too, I've talked to this week. Um, I've just been kind of just doing my own thing, kind of just out there in the stratosphere. So if you're giving me any patience this week, I love you. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I want to tell everyone who came out to the podcast event last wait, last weekend, the weekend before. Anyway, give everyone a shout-out who came out to there. I want to, give, of course, give the shout-out to the podcast that showed up there. Uh, Leo, Texas Beer Experience. What's up, guy? Um, Matt's cousins, his cousin Patrick and Chris, Cold Beer Conversations. We were on that episode, so go shout-out to them. Um, Marty McGeek on Geek Alert. Excuse me, Geek Alert. He's going to get mad at me. Nerd Alert. <laughs> his podcast was there. We're on that, too. So um, go listen to that. Um, I'll probably do... A post on IG so you can go follow all of them but everyone who came out everyone who told me hi thank you guys appreciate you um, I thank you for listening to our podcast I thank you for you know just hearing us out you know giving this space um, yo whenever you want to give me a line drop it on me um, you can follow me everywhere at tracem underscore 81 feel free to send me talk to me or whatever I'll try to get back to you I'm usually pretty good about that Go follow the podcast. It's Pop Fizz Click on IG. Um, trying to grow the numbers. Share with your friends. If you like dumb stuff that we're doing and stuff that we talk about and hearing my ignoring laugh, hey, go share it. Go, you know, on there. Give us some reviews on Spotify because you can do that, and that's actually kind of cool. Um, you can also do it on Apple Mute. Oh, excuse me, Apple Podcast. But you can also do it there. But, yeah, just try to shout out the, the, the podcast. Um, but that's pretty much all we had for this week. Um 
So any takeaways, yo, go read Dune. But also, fuck Greg Abbott. Also, guys, come on, let's do let's do this abortion thing right. Support women. Support women. All right, well, that's all I got. Von Graham, any last notes? Nothing from me. I'm out there somewhere. I think I just might delete all of my presence from the internet after this. You know what? I admire that. <laughs> Anyhow, until next time, see you guys. Peace. your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. <laughs>